Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Uh, Phoenix here, joined as usual by Macca. How are you going, Mac? Oh, I just I'm just unmute you, mate. How are you going, mate? No, good. Very good. Very uh, good. As I said, port loss. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and Nikki, how are you going, Nick? I'm going very well. Pleased to hear it. Smithers um, play his first game back. Um, you're saying the SNFL was great. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, good to see he got through unscathed as well. Uh Look, let's just get straight into the scores, shall we? Because we've got a bit to talk about tonight. Weird old round of footy this week, I thought. Uh... Some blowouts and some close ones. Let's get right into the scores. On Friday night, we had Richmond belting St Kilda. Should have probably won by 100 points uh, after the first quarter or so. But uh, 1-1-1-57 in the end to Richmond and St Kilda on the ropes, really, aren't they? Yeah, it should never have been a Friday night game. It's, uh, it was better than the one before, the week before. I need to watch a bit of quality from Richmond, but really uh, a one-sided match. I think the unfortunate thing was that last year when they planned this, because they used to have it on the Saturday night, um, and it do, and it rated really well because it was Maddie's match, and so they wanted to give it that kind of bit of a boost on a Friday night, the single one on its own, etc. And we actually all thought St Kilda was going to be a little bit better this year, um, and unfortunately they haven't been. So as much as we might lament it being a Friday night match, I think when they actually planned it for that one, it was looking to be a much closer, and considering Saints actually got off to a belter against them last year. Yeah, well, St Kilda were on the same trajectory as uh, Melbourne this time last year. Um, yeah. And they've just really fallen in a deep hole, and makes you wonder whether Richardson's the man for the job because, uh, you know, how, how can you drop away like that uh, with essentially the same list? I don't know. Plus, he's been there a few years now, too. Yeah, well, he's had a good crack at it, um, and you you kind of you look at their team now and you think, well, where's the talent? I don't know where the talent is actually, but anyway, uh, on Saturday we had Collingwood giving North a bit of a touch up, one thirty to sixty four. Collingwood looked really good. North Melbourne kind of average, really. Well, I thought you know when North were winning a few games early, I think I thought that they were playing above themselves. It's possible to do that. He looked at their personnel and it wasn't that much different from last year and they weren't all that good last year. So, yeah, I've been waiting for the bubble to burst and it's gone, you know, it's gone bang. And uh, on the other hand, um, I also did think, though, that Buckley might be gone this year. But uh, he's actually got Collingwood playing good footy. Well, the problem with North is they only really have Ben Brown up forward. And when you're coming up against a very good midfield, they're going to struggle. And Collingwood have a very good midfield and they actually put on really good pressure down back. So they're just able to chop everything off. Yeah. um, North are a bit hot and cold. I've actually got North missing the eight um, in the end. Yeah, Um, me too. Yeah. Uh, Gold Coast with the upset... Certainly of the round and maybe of the season, uh, eighty-eight to sixty-four to uh, against Sydney at the SCG. If you don't mind, uh, Sydney also falling in a hole, and uh, 
not playing like a top four team at the moment, despite their position on the ladder. No, I reckon only if you drank as much as Nicky did at times could you ever pick <laughs> Gold Coast. <laughs> I don't drink at all. Uh, well, uh, that's what I mean. Just the people around it. <laughs> But uh, look, I think only a madman could have picked them. To be honest, uh, there's no sign that this was going to happen. But Sydney, uh, strangely enough, uh, they've, they've really struggled on their own, own home ground. Um, that's their fifth loss this year, I think. Yeah, that oh. it's a highly unusual sort of season for Sydney, really. Hmm. But it, the... it is kind of interesting. Somebody pointed that out and said, "Well, are they actually now?" Um, training away from their home ground because they don't train on the SCG. But are they training on a ground that has bigger dimensions because where they've been lacking previously is um, at the bigger ovals? If they've been doing that, it's then adversely affected their home ground um, the way they play because they can't play on their home ground anymore. I just wonder whether that's possibly a factor. Or the the fact... And as much as we hate Dermot Burton, last night on the Saturday scoreboard, he actually had some really good points, which was when um, Sydney won back in 2012, the core of their midfield is still together. That's still playing. And a lot of the core of their back line and their forward line are still playing. They brought in an amazing forward in Franklin, and yet they still play that same negative dower, we are going to restrict you playing. Every time a coach comes up against Longmire, they know exactly how he's going to play. He's just possibly too predictable now. Yeah, as usual, Dermot's incomplete in his arguments. He rabbits on for half an hour, but he's missed the one vital point there too, is that uh, Kieran, Jack and Hanbury, they're not worth a, a cold pie or they're injured at one of the two. And uh, really the midfield is basically down to two guys now. And uh, that was their strength before. I've always rated Hanbury. Uh, not... Such, I think, uh, Kieran Jackson on a strier, but Hanbury is quality, and uh, he seems to be carrying injuries and has been for a while. And I, I'm with you, Nick. I don't, I don't think they exploit Buddy anywhere near enough. Um, oh God, no! They don't move the ball fast enough into their forward fifty and uh, make them uh, try. They don't try and isolate. And the only time Buddy gets isolated is when he plays high. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, anyway, let's move on. Essendon uh, had a solid win over Fremantle. Uh, Eddie had Fremantle win it for quite some time, but Essendon getting up 99-70, to 70, uh, keeping their slim hopes alive as well. Yeah, no surprise there. They, um, Frio at home played pretty well with their home crowd to support them, um, and they do play uh, to their maximum at home, but uh, on the road they certainly haven't looked anywhere near the same team. And then they haven't got the, quite a few stars. You know, They're out injured, so... Uh, I think it was a very predictable result, that one. Essendon are in very big trouble, though, with McKernan going down. Yeah, well, he's, he's been in good footy. He's yeah. been in career best touch, uh, McKernan. Yeah, and he's ripped that off the tendon. He's done that bad. Um, yeah. It was, we were actually listening to the radio on the way back from the NFL game and they had Kevin Bartlett calling it, calling it, and he's like, you can't do a hamstring from jumping. It's like, um, honey, yes, you can, because what do you push off with? Yeah, exactly. Um, then we had Geelong and Mel- <laughs> Melbourne, honestly. How did oh, they God. lose that game? Uh, 98 to 100 in the end over uh, uh, against Geelong. Uh, Geelong obviously winning under, after the siren with <laughs> Zach Tui having a nice shot at goal, but 
Melbourne should it. Why did they? That that lad was it. Petraka that barrelled the ball forward with about fifty seconds to go. Why didn't he just chip it around for God's sake? Mm. Um, yeah, you, you never you never give a a market even chance, do you? And uh, if you know, as he's, if he listened to you and did what you said, uh, Phoenix, they would have been okay. But um, certain irony, isn't it? Because they've met twice this year, and when they last met. It was Melbourne in the shape of Gorn having a shot for goal to win the game, and they missed. And this time, it was Geelong having a shot for goal, and they got it. And uh, this time, Melbourne have two wins that Melbourne could have had. Yeah, uh, well, don't bother me too much because I reckon uh, yeah. they're one of the teams that uh, we need to drop down, uh, and obviously play oh, the next. Yeah, as as my mum said, doesn't matter who loses as long as one of them does. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, we're up against them next week and that'll be a very interesting game to see how they bounce back. Uh, they've played well at uh, Adelaide Oval of late. So, anyway, uh, Hawthorne, uh, just, was that a training run? I mean, Carlton are probably not even SANFL standard at the moment, are they? 124-52. to 52. No. Uh, Hawthorne, Eddie Had and Carlton just don't even look like a team. I casually watch this game, you know, because uh, you, everything is predictable about that. Probably except for the fact that in the first couple of minutes of the game that uh, Hawthorne's Howe decided to give a right hook to uh, um, the, what's the star midfield Cripps for uh, Carlton and um, put him down. Um, you know, it's on film. He'll, he'll get at least two games for that and very stupid. No. There's another. The trip that, yeah, they'll be in trouble for as well because he's possibly got a broken leg. Oh, now, that was the same guy. And I agree with you, Nicky. I reckon it was a deliberate trip. Um, cause it, and when they showed the replay of him going down, it definitely was a leg stuck out about 45 degrees. And uh, and he's got a broken And that's uh, Zach Fisher. And he's a, he's a star of the future, in my opinion. He's, he's a good little lad. And it was horrible to see him go down like that. Yeah, yeah I, I think, and, and the problem is that's exactly the same as what Selwood did on Miller and they didn't even look at it. And if this one gets looked at, well, then there's your double standard going. They should actually pull up the Selwood one and show it in the tribunal and go, well, why wasn't that one? Because there wasn't an injury. Everything is to do with injuries. Well, just on the tribunal, and sorry to digress, but why haven't we heard anything about the... Adelaide Brisbane game last night. Aren't they supposed to do those I, rulings the next go- the next day? They do, but sometimes on a Sunday when there's a travelling team, they wait till the following day because they have to get the medical report. So we didn't get back um, until like after three o'clock today. So I think that won't be looked at until tomorrow mm, okay. because the medical report's coming in. Fair enough. And particularly because we had concussions. Mm. We would be waiting. So, yes, we did that and they were diagnosed with it yesterday, but they will still have another couple they have to go through. So I think there might be some – I think they'll be waiting on that. Yeah, okay. Um, West Coast uh, accounting for Western Bulldogs quite easily over there in Perth, 100 to 46. Uh, The Bulldogs, I think, hitting the wall a bit. Um, And West Um, Coast looking all right. What was the hit Hearn did on Honeychurch? All I heard was that Honeychurch got sent to hospital. Does anybody know what happened about that hit? No, I didn't see that game. No, no uh, I think it was front on, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, and finally, <laughs> uh, 
the poor <laughs> little poor little brother uh, going down. A, a shitful game, really. Lots of turnovers and poor disposal. But GWS uh, enough polish in the end to get over Port Adelaide, eighty to fifty-eight. Um, Port starting to struggle, in my opinion. Their last two games have been very, very average. Very interesting. Um, it was so they were getting that run on in the last quarter, um, and as soon as they put um, was it Tomlinson, I think, onto Polek, all of a sudden GWS were able to start getting that ball further down the field and into their forward fifty. Um, that's you know shutting down one player, and particularly when it's Polak, that doesn't bode well for your team. Well, the interesting thing though is Port. One thing I will give them, and I hate giving them anything, but um, they don't lack intensity and they don't lack effort, I thought. But the trouble is they lack skill. And GWS, on the other hand, um, they sort of almost match them in effort and in intensity, but their skill is so much higher. And basically it was that's what won the day. They've got, they got such talent. They've got a very talented midfield. Uh, you know, there's there's no doubt about that, but and I, I think they're coming GWS. Actually, I think they're hitting form at the right time. They've got most of their personnel back and playing reasonable football, so I, I think they're going to be around the mark come finals time. But um, I, I'm not impressed by Port at all. I, I think they they play on heart. There's not a lot of system there. They had I agree en- with that. They had enough of the ball to um, capitalise, uh, particularly in that last quarter. Um, and uh, some of their skill errors are, are horrific, but anyway. And there were some really good defensive efforts from GWS. As much as the commentators were trying to overrate Dixon, I thought Davis played him beautifully. Yeah, but I mean, Dixon's a funny one because I, before he went to Port, I actually rated him, but um, he just, he, again, he lacks polish. He lacks... Uh, he lacks a, a little, like he's just all big and bustling and all the rest of it. But it, like he doesn't. Uh, he always he often runs to the wrong places. Yeah, he just he's not a natural footballer. Just watching him a couple of times in so, showdowns and stuff, it's like, dude, your defender's leading you, actually directing you to the wrong area where you're not going to make a lot of impact. He's not. He's not a smart forward at all. Not mm. at all. And, but I, I agree with Phoenix. I think that he, he fits the Port Adelaide mould that tons of effort but no polish. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I think he could be a good player in a good team. But because Port sort of used that chaos ball quite a bit anyway, uh, and as you rightly point out, Nicky, he, he doesn't seem to naturally run to good positions. And as a consequence, he just doesn't seem to influence games as much as he should for a lad his size and 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 strength. I I don't know. So also not helped by the port going forward game plan, which is to always kick it to that outer pocket area. So if they can get a little bump out and get a throw in, because they actually kick more goals, I think, from throw ins and contests around the world because their midfield comes down and helps out, and it's often that midfield that is then doing it. Yeah. It's not their forward line. Anyway, that's 15 minutes talking about other people, so let's uh, get into the Crows at V-Lions game, shall we? Bit of an inappropriate song today. Get ugly. 
No, I should have changed that because it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a pretty game. Uh, it was ugly from one particular side. Well, yeah. the umpiring was bloody ugly, that's for sure. But anyway, oh, God. Adelaide 13 goals 15-93 to Brisbane 13 goals 10-88. So a margin in the end of five points. Um, and uh, look, my overall uh, overarching comment about the game was, it was just a gutsy win. We, we did what we had to do and uh, uh, two down on the bench for a quarter and a half. I, I, think, uh, I think we take the win and move on. Yeah, and I, and I think you know that Brisbane are definitely a size uh, on the rise. They've, they've drafted very well, actually. They've got three, maybe four, very good uh, young lads there that are, are going to be real guns of the future. So, and and, and actually making an impact now. So, um, but I think that uh, we're still at not at total full strength. And um, as you say, we were uh, without without two. We were two players. Short on the interchange for a quarter and a half, and uh, and I just don't think the umpires did us any particular favours at all. I, just some very strange decisions or lack of dis- lack of decisions. Um, I mean, how, how can you get blokes KO'd and uh, no, not even a free kick for it? I just cannot believe it. And, and uh, both of them were clear cut free kicks. They were. I mean, it, it weren't even just maybes. They're just. Blatant and real, and if any of those umpires have got a game next week, then the the AFL are as hopeless as I think they are. Well, we know they're hopeless, but I mean, look, it was poor all round, and it's interesting to hear uh, feedback from some of the Brisbane supporters that they felt that the umpiring was uh, biased the other way. So, I mean, I, I looked at it again, and I tried to look at it objectively, and I just couldn't see that. But uh, the as usual, it's not only it's not the ones that are paid; it's the ones that are missed. And I felt yep. like they'd let a lot go, and that actually contributed oh, to um, that contributed to them losing control of the game from a physical uh, physicality point of view. In my opinion, I, I it was terribly umpired, and as you know, I don't want to go on about the umpires too much, but. That 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 override decision that's happened that's crept into umpiring this season. I've noticed it a few times where non-officiating umpires that are a long way away are making calls, and I don't, I don't mind an umpire in a better position making a call, but not when you're 50 meters yeah. away, you should not be putting that whistle to your mouth. It's, it's, you are not in a better position. And particularly, particularly in that last quarter, that mark, which was touched my begovern yeah. first on, the umpire in the forward line was, and you can see him clearly in the vision, he is in the perfect position to see it. He's 10 metres away. He is Go on ahead. the right angle. There is no other players impeding him. And as soon as McStay takes the secondary grab, his arms go up in the air and he calls play on. Mm. Now, the fault actually lies with him because he is the controlling umpire in that situation. The other umpire coming in and saying it was a mark, and he just kind of went, oh, okay. No, no, no. no but, yeah, but he Nick, needed to overrule and say it's a ball up. Yeah, but Nick, well, that's what I was going to raise, because like, it's a very confusing situation, because you've got the officiating umpire calling play on, and then the non-officiating umpire basically running in, blowing his whistle, stopping play. Now, in, in my view... Where it was so contentious, it should have been a ball up because there's there's disagreement between two umpires. So, yep. 
It seems to me that when the non-officiating umpire overrules or makes a call, it's automatically accepted that he's right and the officiating umpire is wrong. Whereas in my opinion, if you've got those two opposing views, then it should in all cases be a baller. <coughs> um, putting my previous umpiring hat on, that's what it was. That's how it should be adjudicated in those situations. So the fact that the pair of them allowed the overall, and we also saw another one happen in the port game where there was an overall further away. Yeah, I don't understand um, it. So there's the, the fact that there were two happened in this one round means there's something going on behind the scenes and whatever this something going on is, it's incorrect. Well, to be honest, I've noticed it all season. Yeah. yeah, this is why my bugbear is you are having players, ex-players in charge of umpiring, not ex-umpires. That is a major fault oh, of the AFL. Let, let's let's there's, not there's uh, let's not one. bog down the the cast on. <laughs> we could have a whole series on what's oh, wrong with the AFL, but anyway. All right, yeah. so let's let's go on into some head to head stats, and uh, uh, it was uh, we out disposed them in the end, three sixty two, three forty six. I, I seem to recall in the first quarter we were very handball happy. Um, and that ratio was completely out, but we ended up going 214 to 148, kicked a handball. So back to our usual ratio. Um, Brisbane also. I did. Sorry, go on. I didn't mind that handballing in that first quarter because of the way um, Brisbane were playing and the way they were pressuring up. It was it was proactive handballs to get a free player. Yeah, but I felt like it was, it was overused. I, it was a little bit at some times. But I, I think it was to me. It seemed a little bit deliberate. Yeah. Um, but we did. We did. We did clean it up. It, it could have been. De- it could have been a deliberate ploy. But I think it contributed to two things. It contributed uh, a to some turnovers. But b, um, you know, as a forward, uh, that extra handball can throw your running patterns and your leading patterns all the all all the way out. And I think it did have an impact on our entries uh, by us messing around up up the ground. Um, look, uh, they outmarked us 99 to 83, um, but uh, marks inside 50, 14 to 11, our way. Contested marks 14 to 13, our way. Um, I think that that overall marking stat really underpins uh, what Brisbane were trying to do, which was essentially move the ball by foot. Uh, tackles were even, 50 to 50. Uh, tackles inside 50, though, um Back to situation normal, twelve to nine. We didn't have the twenty tackles that we did last week in the first quarter, but um, bit bit hard when um, some of our players that have been helping with those tackles kind of got sent off. The other thing is what probably affected that was we did a lot more marks in the Ford fifty than we normally do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, look, it was a different kind of game, so. Um, uh, and I felt like because Brisbane were playing quite quite deep defensively, uh, as far as I could tell, which meant that our entries were quite shallow. Um, we we're trying to hit up around thirty metres out, and that meant that that uh, particularly because our our entries were a bit chaotic, uh, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for for the ball to be held in. It tended to come out fairly quickly and sort of congest around the wing areas. But uh, anyway. Um, 49 to 38, Source got a bit of a touch-up, I felt, but we'll go to individuals in a minute. Hit-outs there, I was talking about. 
Um, where else are we? Our clearances, 41 to 39, fairly even. If we look at that breakdown, um, uh, we had 15 to 11 centre clearances, which was good, and just got done a little bit around the stoppage, 24 to 30. Uh, didn't feel like it had a huge impact on the game. Um, uh, it certainly felt like it was a, a game of uh, slingshot from halfback to halfback, more than an in-and-under kind of game. Hmm. Uh, rebound 50s, uh, 46-36 Brisbane's way, which kind of reflects what I was saying a little bit earlier about our shallow entries, because uh, uh, inside 50 count was 63-52 to 52 our way. Um, so we certainly weren't very effective uh, or efficient, I should say, in terms of um, our entries per scoring shot. Uh, what else have we got here? We've got uh, rebound 50s, I've already said. Uh, that's about it, really. Uh, Meters game was pretty even. Turnovers were pretty even. Intercepts were pretty even. So, I mean, those stats really don't tell much of a story. I, I just felt like in the end, uh, our... I felt it was our defensive work that actually kept us in the game. Uh, I felt like we burnt it a lot. But defensively, I I felt like we were quite solid. Alex Keith was really good today until he went off, was really good. Letty was a standout as usual. Um, And I felt overall um, it was our our desire to run defensively and and the ability of our back six to to hold structure and contain their forwards like Hitwood that pretty much won us the game in the end. I think that's pretty right. Um, I think overall the defence did do a very good job. In attack, and we didn't have that many winners in attack, but, um, uh, you know, and we'll go through that later, but there were a couple that did go very, very well. Um, I think one of the problems early, McGovern was really just uh, all at sixes and sevens in the first half, and, um, and uh, we, well, that just was one forward lacking, I thought, and... He didn't really. He didn't really get into the game until he played loose across the back lines. Nick, what do you reckon? Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that the the commentators were talking like in the towards I think the end of the third quarter or something about how um, Laird seems to have dropped off in terms of his possessions, and it's like, well, that's because we were actually starting to win the centre, and it wasn't getting to half back, and we would just keep rebounding it into our forward lines. He didn't have to do any rebounding. So, you know, no wonder his stats dropped off. But I, I thought he had a really good game. I, I think you're, you're spot on regarding our defensive, the, the back six, which is probably a bit more of a back eight um, because our wingers come down and help out. Um, and I thought we handled their very fast players. We stopped that switch into the middle as much as possible. Yeah, the other thing I noticed that we did defensively is we played Seedsman quite deep um, across the back half. And it, it, there was a bit of lamenting that he didn't get as much of the ball, but um, he spent quite a bit of time and got quite a few possessions uh, in that last line of defence or, or just, just backward of half back. Uh, and I think, to be honest with you, I think that was a bit of a deliberate ploy because they do have um, some species in that side. And I, I think. It seemed to be surprisingly. It was Seisman uh, more than Kelly that tended to play a little bit, uh, a little bit deep. I know. And, and then and I, Kelly had to go into the back lines fully once we lost Uday. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, I wondered whether it was... Uh, I did notice that, and I was wondering whether it was uh, Seedman's man perhaps deliberately as a ploy dragging him away from uh, the wing so that to, to try and stop some of that running running into our forward lines. Uh, I think that is... I think it's, it was a little bit of um, both, Macca, um, because I think we then went, okay, that's fine, because he's great actually defensively at reading the play. Correct. Um, and we often do have, as I've pointed out before, we often have one of our wingers works as a defensive one. He's the last line on defence and it's that wing because they're both nice long kicks. If you notice our kickouts, we'll often have a shorter kicking player, except when Miller has stuffed it up, but we'll talk about that later, um, will kick out to the pockets and it's either to Brown or it's to Seisman or it's to Atkins. It's to long kicking players that we do it and it's been very deliberate this year so I think that's partly why we went okay no that's fine we can work with this because it, it partly works within the structure we already have yeah I also felt like Miller and Seedsman seemed to be kind of just sort of uh, rubber banding between the wing and the half back uh, when Miller would run through it looked like Seedsman would would you know sort of drop in behind him and vice versa so anyway um Look, I, you know, it was a, it's a funny game to watch. I, I, whilst it was a close game, I, I felt like we had control of it, and it was it was really only going to be our own uh, lack of composure um, that was going to cost us in the end. And I, I felt like we actually played the last quarter pretty well. We were clearly quite tired, um, and yet I, I felt like we controlled the tempo to a large extent um, in that last quarter. Spot on. Um, you know, so I. I, I I think people really uh, – there's a couple of things. Brisbane are on over 90% um, and for a, a team that's, what, 16th or whatever, uh, their win-loss ratio doesn't really tell the story about how they're playing at the moment. Second of all, Nick, as you pointed out last week, um, they play a very much a Hawthorne style and, and we do struggle against that style of play. We do struggle against kicking teams um, and they certainly – uh, are a kicking team and and lastly they're on a roll and we're playing them on their home deck and it's a long trip to Brisbane and I just feel like it was a it was a gutsier win than people are giving Adelaide credit for to be perfectly frank well, no I agree Hold on. Win. and I think you know everything you said there is correct um, and uh, I, I think we we were if we had not had two players short um, through you know just being builded in the head and having to, with concussion and going off, um, well then I, I would imagine that we, we would have won more comfortably. But um, our players were getting tired as the game went on. You could see that, and they were playing on heart to a, a very very large degree in that last quarter. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was quite commendable actually. Now, out of the three of us, who's the most probably? Positive about our team? Probably you. You, Nikki. <laughs> Who did I tip on Tuesday night? <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, because I've been watching Brisbane all year and they are very impressive. And you're spot on, Phoenix. They haven't been, they've only just started now to win games, but they were pushing some really good teams at the start of the year. And you could see what Fagan was doing. You could see the buy-in they had. And those last three wins they've had have been very good. 
Well, and uh, for me, it was average winning margin of what thirty five points or something, forty points or something. Yeah, spot on. Um, they so haven't been I just. Took, I mean, they haven't just been winning. They've been belting teams. They belted yeah. Hawthorne last week. Belted them. Oh, well, it truly belted them, and they could have belted them by more. Um, even though they they were very accurate, um, but just my overall impression of that game is. I was frustrated watching it at the time because there were some stupid decisions being made. But I agree with you, Phoenix. It just looked like we had control. Um, And that last quarter to me, I think, should mean more to the team than what the entire game last week did. Yeah. Uh, It was really only our inefficiency going forward that that cost us a, a, a bigger margin. Um, yeah, we missed some absolute sitters in that last quarter. We should never have. Well, and even in the in the in the first half of the game as well, Nikki, our our ability to stick targets in the in the forward fifty was uh, sadly lacking uh, on many occasions. And I just, you know, I I felt like our structure held up really well. I, I felt like we had control around the ball and. Uh, if we'd have used the ball a little that that last possession, if we'd have used the ball a little bit better, I think we would have been further in front. And we missed some gettable goals as well. So, yeah, I, you know, I guess I, I'm referring to big footy. I've seen a lot of negativity uh, in on big footy, and I think you yeah. can't you can't win every game um, playing like Rolls Royces. Uh, we've had two very good wins, and this was a this was a danger game, as we all pointed out. And to me, it's four points, and 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 the season's alive and and now we get to reload at home against Melbourne um, and then Port Adelaide and two massive opportunity games. Um, It's just a pity Melbourne lost the way they did because they might be a little bit shirty. No, they'll be shattered. I hope they're shattered. Nikki, they're going to come here. They're not going to come here and just uh, come here to play basketball uh, if they won. There's... Whether we win or lose, they'll try their hard out against us here, and we'll try our hard against them. And uh, it'll be a good game. Anyway, let's look at some individual stats. Uh, Matty Crouch had forty touches, fourteen and twenty-six. Uh, four marks, four tackles, six inside fifties, eight clearances, uh, including um, five stoppage and three centre clearances. Uh, Fifteen contested possession. Disposal efficiency down, although I felt like as the game went on, his uh, disposal improved. He was a bit uh, a, a bit haphazard early. Um, eight score involvements and five intercept possessions. I, I felt like Matty is probably around about 75% back to his best, I reckon. Well, perhaps a little bit higher than that. I, I was very impressed with his game. He's got this um, tremendous ability to read with the, the fall of the ball, which a lot of people don't have. And uh, that's why he's always in the right place. He's, I just think he's, he's, he's fantastic the way he reads the play. I'd, I'd leave it at the 75% Macca just because he was not good in that first half. Um, but his second half was a lot, lot better. Um, but you are spot on. That, that ability he has to read the play because he's not the quickest bloke out there, but he's very clever. He is. Yeah. You know, as you said, he's not he's not like Grease Lightning, yet he looks like he's sometimes he's got more time than you know the speedsters have. Well, last year when uh, he was in all Australian form, uh, the difference I think between then and now is his disposal, and not just 
hitting targets, but uh, his ability to be creative with his disposal. I, I think when he's out of touch or lacking a little bit of fitness, he tends to be a little bit reactive. Um, and we yeah. saw when he came back, you know, he was those little 20 meter chip passes um, and nothing much else. When he gets uh, more miles into his legs and gets a little bit more confident, then he starts picking blokes out and being a little bit more aggressive and creative with his disposal. I don't think he's far away, um, and he's always going to be a ball getter. Like he accumulates disposals or possessions, like you, you know, very few other people. You don't even notice it half the time. No, he, he, he just goes he, quietly, goes about his business. He was missing Walker though. Um, he just has this uncanny – the pair of them actually have this uncanny ability to know exactly where to go for the other one. But, like, particularly Walker, as soon as um, Crouch actually gets it anywhere close near that leading into the 50, he invariably often hits up Walker. Mm. Uh, it was Our whole forward line structure was interesting without Walker because as much as Tex has been a little bit out of touch of late – he provides options and he leads up high and we had JJ playing a lot higher than we have done for the last month um, and as you say Gov took a while to find his feet um, back in back in the team after so long out and uh, I think those two uh, uh, factors really also had an impact on our inefficiency up forward um, and it wasn't until we started going a bit deeper and, and Hugh took a couple of uh, uh, grabs that uh, it looked a little bit more settled but yeah it, it probably shows the value of Walker even if he's not kicking five and clunking marks just in terms of a structure yeah you're dead right there just create look, he's a very difficult player to stand Walker because of he's big and he's strong and he's tall and uh, you know the most of them most of the time they'll be happy to get the ball to ground which still leaves opportunities to get the ball so you're quite right um, he also controls that forward line. He yes. directs where everybody else goes. Yeah. Um, speaking of lead-ups, uh, Lynchy had 23 touches, uh, 13 and 10, only took the one mark, kicked three points, which is unusual for him, four inside 50s, and yet uh, 13 contested possessions as well for Tom, but when it's 60% disposal efficiency, which is disappointing for him and... Whilst he had nine score involvements and and he just I don't know he just didn't quite seem uh, lively if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with you because I I don't know what his what his breakup of his touches were, but um, thirteen I and ten. Really, yeah, and there there you go. At half time, I I said to Mrs. Macker, haven't seen much of uh, Lynchy at all. I don't know what's going on with him, but. As you see, he had 13 touches. They obviously weren't very noticeable touches or well, they stand-out had, touches. Now, Nikki, you might have noticed. They had someone running with Lynch, and I can't remember who it was. They remember? did. They also were very – I did notice a couple of times they would work very hard to clog up the space in front of him mm. so that to try and stop us. And those, those 13 touches he got, you saw that with the contested possessions he had to get. He had to fight to get them. Yeah, and it's he, an unusual stat for him. Yeah, but he kept doing it, and he did some really nice ones. So I'm not so worried about it because we managed to win in spite of that. Um, and I thought he still kept working. He should have freaking kicked to Gallucci, though. <laughs> he was oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah. yeah. 
But I can understand he's had a bit of a dog of a game and he just like really wanted to take that moment and it's like, settle, I can do this. He didn't miss by much, but oh, come on. Yeah, it's well, not like when uh, our first ever cock comble we ever gave to him, which was missing from five metres out yeah. in the goal square. Yeah. So I, I kind of, it was 6-1, half a dozen the other there, but he, he probably should have kicked to Gallucci. Yeah. Um, look, I'm, I think uh, Tom's stats and his game in general, I think you hit it on the head, Nicky. I think it's in, indicative of how teams like to play us, so they recognise uh, that we do have those one or two players that really do act as the conduit between our uh, back and forward half, particularly on, on that transition, and, and they definitely worked hard. I can't remember who the guy was that was sort of tailing Lynch. Um Damn it! It was at times. It was uh, was it Witherden? No. Um, was it Robertson? That that oh, defend that blonde defender could have been. Yeah, him. I think it was. Anyway, um, so they they definitely put work into him. So uh, I mean, Tom worked through the game and he and he did have some effective touches, but uh, it just shows how teams uh, look at us and and analyse our ball movement. Speaking of ball movement, I thought uh, Wayne Miller, uh, despite a couple of um, turnovers, was really good. 14 and 8 for 22, 7 marks, uh, 2 inside 50s, uh, 5 rebound 50s, um, went 81.8%. So aside from those couple of blunders, he was really good by foot. Three score involvements um, and four intercept possessions. Um I just think I I read a comment again on on Big Footy today, and it was from our Tuesday night uh, cohort Peter J. That you want you want Wayne to keep making those passes, keep taking those chances, and I agree a hundred percent with him because you know uh, those two passes come off and they and they result in in uh, scoring opportunities. So I don't mind it at all. It was just really frustrating because. I could see the Brisbane player standing there when he kicked out to him. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that one, it was like, oh, that God, that's ambitious. <laughs> yeah, that was like, we had three players around it and he kicked to the one Brisbane player in the middle. Well done. Well yeah. done, Wayne. That was a beautiful pass to him. Yeah. What I did love, though, was after the song, you can actually see Eddie go straight up to Miller and starts talking to him, I think, about that one in particular and is teasing him a little, which was kind of a bit cute. Having said that, uh, it was a shocking one. His use of the ball uh, overall was very, very good. And yeah. He had a n- couple of nice little weaving sidesteps again that he just does so well. Um, Atkins needs to look at those. He can do them a bit better than he can. The, the bit that pisses me off with Atkins, and I, I actually thought Atkins had a decent game. Um, I think he had a good game. But oh, he no, did I get disagree. caught. He did – well, he ha- – I thought he had a decent game because he had a really good game at the start and then he faded out in the second half when everybody else kind of picked up, which was interesting. Um, when he gets that, he breaks one tackle and then he goes into the next one. He just lies there like, oh, I got caught. Freaking make an attempt, you dipshit. <laughs> there was a couple of occasions and one in particular sticks out to me. It was in the second quarter and it was on the outer wing and there was a ball coming in uh, to um, our, into Brisbane's forward line, uh, sort of half forward, and there was a one-on-one contest, and Atkins was off to the side. Now, Atkins, if he had been willing, had the opportunity to 
chop across the front of that contest and take an intercept mark. And he just sat there. Um, and it was it's indicative of Rory's game that he just will not get involved. He will sit on the outside and wait. And what he does in those tackles, Nicky, he actually... It's deer in the headlights stuff. He doesn't look for the outlet disposal. Yep. Never, ever, ever does he look for the out, outlet disposal. He's always trying to evade. And it's all right to evade when you've got a bit of a bit of momentum going, a bit ahead of steam. But when when you're basically on the spot, you've got to give. And he his vision, uh, his peripheral vision, and his ability to dish off uh, is very, very poor. Well, you're never going to give it unless you give him a heart transplant. You're never going to make. No, it's a brain. But no, you know what, Macker? It wasn't even that that incident that I was talking about in the second quarter. Well, it wasn't even about heart. Nikki's a hundred percent right. It's either a lack of concentration or just an unwillingness to be proactive and get your own ball. To me, Rory's biggest problem is that he doesn't get his own ball, and that was a perfect opportunity. He. He probably wouldn't have even copped any body contact. He just had to float across the front of that contest, which was two blokes grappling, and take an overhead mark. And uh, he just didn't do it. Which is a pity because I mean, um, a couple of things he did was very good. As, um, that first kick to Jenkins, it was a magnificent pass from a, lot, from a long way out and allowed Jenkins to run straight onto the ball and, and set up a goal. So he is he's very... He can be a very a good player, um, and I agree with you about the the uh, lack of, say, a frenetic desire to get to win his own hard ball. He would look really good in Hawthorne because he has all these other teammates whose job it is to be that dirty sniping hard at the ball. Because you, we've seen how Henderson plays. Now, and Henderson Isaac was, Smith. Yeah, and Henderson's a bigger squib than Atkins. And Ooh, I reckon it's a close call, but anyway, point uh, taken. Uh, Henderson's, Henderson's a bigger squib. Um, Atkins, big call, Atkins, big Atkins, Atkins has actually done some tackles this year. Has Henderson ever done one? Um, and But our, the way that we play, he has to do his fair share and he doesn't and it's showing up. He He kind of got a bit better once he came back. And he did some nice physical stuff at the start of this game as well, and then he dropped off again. He, he did, so he, did he, he just need, he needs that he needs a bit more of a kick up the ass, I think. He, he's the reverse. Regular. I reckon he's the reverse, David McKay. David McKay, you'll never question his his intent or his <laughs> uh, his 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 ability to 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 and desire to put his body in, uh, but you question his uh, disposal and his ability to distribute. Rory Atkins, some of his footwork, his foot passing is, is exquisite. It's top 10% oh, of the league. So gorgeous. But he's such a liability defensively, you know, and yeah. it, it's such, you don't want him to be Mark Rusciuto, but you just, <coughs> pardon me, you just want him to go when it's his turn to go. Yeah, or just to put that maybe not physical pressure directly on, but that... Um, that feel of I am going to run at you, you have to get rid of this now because there might be physical pressure coming. He just kind of goes, I might back off and see what they do. No, run at the freaking footballer. Mm. Well, he's never given us any sign he's going to do what you want him to do, Nicky. No, I think you're right there, Macker. I think you get what you get with Rory Atkins. And I, 
I suppose in the end, his ability to stay in the team will depend on how much we can carry his lack of defensive work. You know, Correct. and and I suppose that will depend on pressure for spots uh, and whether there's other blokes. I mean, I can see a Jordan Gallucci taking a wing. Um, as he matures a little bit further, he's got more pace. Uh, he straight lines the ball, and his delivery is just as good um, yep. as Rory Atkins. And can actually kick on both sides. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, we bang on about Rory Atkins a lot, and I guess we need to accept that you get what you get. Um, we got 18 disposals, uh, and uh, he went at 72%, uh, gained 400 me. metres. That whole you get what you get is the same thing with Jake Kelly. Yeah, well, we know, absolutely. We, the, we know the exactly same. what we're going to get with Jake. He's He doesn't have those beautiful foot skills that Atkins does. But unlike Atkins, he actually knows his limitations and he works within them and you're always going to get 100% from him. And I would much rather have Kelly in a team than I would Atkins at times. He had a sound game, I thought. I don't think yeah. you're comparing apples with apples there because whilst uh, Jake does know his limitations, his limitations are very limited. Um, <laughs> he seems to have a force field in front of him and which causes him <laughs> to just dispose of the ball Backwards, even when he's no, in the he clear. Didn't. Oh, come on! Now. He did in this game. He didn't in this game. He did. He did I remember. I remember at least the, three occasions. Okay, that was in the second half when they were pressuring us. Well, that was still part okay. of the game. When it was, yes, it was. But in that first quarter, when he was actually playing on the wing, I could see him. He was actually trying to get rid of a lot quicker. So those things that we discussed last week about mm. some issues he were having, mm. and quite rightly. And that's because of his limitations is he wants to make sure he's going to deliver it to a correct option um, and not take the risk. I don't Whereas, mind him being risk averse, but he's one step away know, from passing that's, that's it into the crowd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was not. I actually quite – I thought his his game was fine. No, I thought he had I, a pretty good game. But I've always liked Kelly because you're not going to get a team of superstars. You're going to get – Particularly with the way the draft goes, you're going to get players with limitations, uh, I agree. and it's how you can create a team around them. And I really like Kelly in our team. I, I like his I defensive work. Yeah, I yeah. The only problem is Cheney's playing really well. I hate to say, but I agree with you, Nicky. Yeah, no, that's the end of the cast. <laughs> yeah, we need to show, we need to break that, you two up now. Is that three so times great. this year? Three times yeah. this year, he's agreed with me. Yeah, I can oh, yeah. it's going to end. I'll cut my tongue off. Look, I did think Jake played all right, but you, you want him to be. Dish- I mean, I think again, you want you want options presented to Jake Kelly really quickly so that he can actually so you can get the ball out of his hands. Um, yeah, and but- he does. He looks for that straight mm. away. He mm. looks for the run pass. Yeah, you. Oh um, no, usually twenty meters behind him, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not if there wasn't a run pass. <laughs> but that's actually, and as much as you hate it, D-Mac often used to be the one who would do that for him. Yeah. Was providing yeah. that, Good old that run through. It's like the blind leading the blind, those two. <laughs> hey, he was at the game at the SNFL uh, and he had his young son with him and it was quite cute. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure he's a decent fella, D-Mac. We've spoken to him. He's a lovely fella. Yeah, he's uh, so good. Yeah. Well, that gives him a game, Nicky. Yeah. Uh, oh, and he's... He was, he was out there, I think his young son would only be about two or three. He was out on the ground kicking the footy around, um, which was quite cute, which means you've got to put it on the ground and he kicks it. But yeah. I think a... he was probably a bit more accurate than Dad. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, Letty had another good game, although he didn't make the 30 touches, so uh, bad luck there. But at, uh, 14 and 15, took three marks, uh, two inside 50s, three rebound 50s, uh, 10 intercepts, went at 72%. Uh, six score involvements, including a goal of his own. Um, and what's, what's his average for intercepts? Uh, I wouldn't have I clue. Wonder. Wouldn't have clue. You, you should come to the table with those sort of bloody stats if you're going to bring them up. I don't pay for, like, I don't do fantasy or things like that where often you can get access to those stats, so. But I'd be interested to see what his um, intercept average is because it'd have to be right up there with some of the best in the league. Well, uh, his oh. ability to position himself, sorry, Maka, his ability to position himself is fantastic, so. Um... Well, all I was going to say is uh, we were talking about courage before. I mean, this guy's got more courage than anybody else. Pound for pound, I mean, he, he got he got absolutely smashed down the front, um, and in what I in a situation which I think is reportable, but probably won't be, because um, it's okay to hit Crows players in the head. Um, oh, we'll get to that. Average nine point seven. But, um, but the one thing I liked about it was he being smashed, and then he gets up and he just played as if he hadn't have been. Yeah, I mean, he's tough. He is tough. This season, uh, Nikki, 9.7 intercept possessions on average. Okay, that's not too bad. Not too bad. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it is Laddie we're talking about. Yeah, he has but, a very high standard. Yeah, 10 intercept possessions, is um, that's very, very high. And and the fact that we've then got somebody like Duday as well doing also intercepts, the, they just read... At, at back six, can just read the play so well. Well, Melbourne paid a, a million bucks for someone who can do 10 intercepts a, a game. So, uh, anyway, uh, who else have we got here? Uh, look, now, all my, uh, you guys will disagree with me on this, but I don't care, because I felt that our best player was Riley Knight. Only had the 17 touches, 12 and 5, oh. one mark, two goals, uh, three tackles, four inside 50s, five clearances. Um, uh, only went up 47% disposal efficiency, but I felt like his job on beams in the first half before we had to rejig, um, <clears throat> pardon me, with Duday and uh, Murph going off, I, I felt like his, his, his work on beams and also running off beams was second to none, and the pressure that he brings around the contest is, uh, I think it was pivotal in, in us sort of gaining ascendancy during the middle half of that game. Well, I don't know about best, but I'll tell you what, everything else you said is true. Um, he he is, a, he is a fantastic barometer for our side because he just, he just he's, he's as, well, somebody, somebody, one of the commentators once said, he's as hard as a cat's head, and he really is, and he's, it just it's tough, and he and you can hit him. He he'll get up. He'll hit you. He'll, he just keeps going, and uh, he's prepared to work to get the hard ball. He's prepared to chop the player out. Whatever you want him to do, he's just whatever you can do for the side, he'll do it. And uh, at risk of his body and his own personal safety, I just think he's a fantastic addition to our side. And we always look so much better when he's in there. I won't. I didn't have him best. But I had him a toss-up between second and third best. Um, and I found it very funny because at that quarter-time interview they did with Zorko, 
where he was asked about what are they going to do helping Dane Beams. And he said, oh, yeah, no, 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 we've, we've got that in place. Um, pretty much every bloke that goes past Riley Knights, just hit him. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, you dipshits, you have no idea who Riley Knights is because he loves that. You, that just makes him play better. You'll get a cockwomble if you keep saying Knights instead of Knight. True. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, but, tired. You're, but you're dead set right, Nick. Um, it's like the old cartoons where you know you uh, you you hit hit the the baddie and he gets stronger. Uh, that's that's exactly what Riley knows. And the reason why I felt like he was certainly among our best uh, three um, was simply the, not so much his output, but his influence on the game. It was such an yes. even game with so many even contributions. I mean, we had Crouchy at forty, and then it fell away quite quickly. Um, similarly, the stats on Brisbane side weren't, weren't high as well. So it was a very even game. And yet I, I felt like Riley uh, Knight influenced the game as much as anyone else on the ground. Yeah, I agree with that. And the only reason Beams got more possessions in the second half, and he kind of – it wasn't he got away from Knight. It's that we actually took Knight off of him and we had to because of the rotations. Yeah, we, we actually, around. yeah, exactly right. Knight, uh, we took that tag off Beams, I think. Um, yeah. Certainly the way, the way that he tags, and it's not just him because, once again, because um, I commented last week about with Selwood that you actually, Selwood got away from me a little bit, but Gallucci then came across to mm. cover. Gallucci did that again mm. um, with one instance um, which means there's a really nice team directive um, and just the, the way that they can work it around. But his influence as a tagger, and it's not a hard, hard tag, but it's just a really annoying one. Yeah. I um, Look, Barney Magic on the chat has – I've just got to point this out – Knight's nickname is Boogie, which doesn't make any sense. Vardy, go and watch the movies, mate. Boogie Knights. Um, anyway, the other bloke who I, I felt was a contender for best player, and it might be an interesting discussion when we get to that, but I, I thought JJ had a really, really good game. 13 and 6, uh, took five marks, kicked 2-2, two, two, should have really kicked another one. Uh, did okay in the ruck. Uh, I, I, I'm liking what... Uh, Josh has brought to the table, particularly in the back half of the season so far, with regards to just a little bit more grunt. I actually said to Mrs. Macker that this guy is now looking like a 550k a year player um, during the game. And yeah, when he went into ruck, I thought we did better when he was in the uh, rucking than when uh, Source was there. And uh, I think overall, they've got it in his head now uh, about effort. And I reckon nearly about all but the first couple of games of the year, uh, you could not criticise this guy. He's he's giving 100% and uh, he's kicking goals and he's working hard uh, when he hasn't got the ball. He's working hard when he's in the ruck. And I think he's doing a very good job. I really liked his game. Um, And there was kind of, there was that one mark in the goal square, but the way it came in that he then got outbodied, he was just, it was, unfortunately was out of position and he didn't have time to do that little back off and come forward, um, which he has done a few times. Um, so the other guy was in the, the perfect position. It was a bit hard to move him. Um, but I really liked JJ's game. And 
as much as we might worry a bit about Franco and the way that our forward line, it doesn't quite seem so cohesive. The work he's done with JJ, I think, has to be commended. Yeah, I have to agree with that. He's he's uh, he's got it through to him. That's four times, Macca. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time to have a lie down and a good hard think. I'm not well. <laughs> Look, uh, whether it's uh, Franco or whether I, I think JJ might have just taken it on himself a little bit as well. Um, but I think uh, he has, and and he's never going to be, you know, Barry Hall for Christ's sakes. But he competes. Um, he stays in the contest for much longer than he used to. That was my biggest issue with Jenkins. That. It'd be one effort and then he'd just fall right out of the contest, whereas he, he stays involved in the contest for longer. Um, and I, 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 you know, i really pleased with his last month in particular and it's certainly amongst our top three uh, on Saturday night, I felt. Uh, They're just talking to chat. I don't know whether Phoenix, did you see... Uh, um, Jenkins is talking about his early life. No, but I, I do know about it. He had a bit of yeah. a rough start. Yeah, very rough start. Yeah, very R- rough start. So Ray's he, he, lives with his grandma. Is that right? I think she's not technically his grandma. Yeah, um, but, she's a friend of the family who took him and his sisters. Yeah, sister in. So really, I think you know, given his background and everything that he's had to to go through to get there. Uh, is to be even more commended for the change he's brought about in his game and, and the, his attitude towards it all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been probably, uh, certainly amongst the Crowcasters, I've probably been the biggest JJ basher of them all. But uh, I think whenever we, whether we're talking about Riley Knight or Rory Atkins or whoever, we just want them to play well and we just hope that they play well. So we point out, flaws and we get frustrated and all the rest of it but credit where it's due with regards to Jenkins because uh, uh, you know I, I think he's uh, playing to his maximum uh, at the moment yeah uh, Bryce Gibbs what do we think about Bryce Gibbs at the moment he had 16 and 5 for 21 7 marks, uh, 3 tackles 5 inside 50s uh, 9 contested, went at just under 67% uh seven score involvements he keeps getting decent numbers and yet I, I'm not, he's not influencing just, the game as much as what I thought he, he was in that third that third quarter because the first half we played him more forward with only short stints in the midfield yep correct when Sloan went off the third he then went more in the midfield and he was doing a lot of that good clearance that push work we were getting it into our forward line so I thought he was um, really influential in that third quarter to get us that nice buffer um, up and going. He worked a lot better this week with the forward line. And, you know, he's been shoved down there fairly quickly um, and having to learn the way that our forward line kind of works. But he's mostly what he's down there for is to supply that pressure. And he did it. So I... And it was kind of funny because you look at his stats afterwards and you don't notice him. Yeah, but I think I think that's just him. No, they've he changed the way they're using him, Nicky, and, and they they and have, and they're wasting him. They are wasting him. I, I think so too, Macca, because he, he was uh, he was a standout in the first month of our of our season. He yeah, really was. And, 
And what he was doing is the role that we recruited him for that was that he Sloney was actually doing the hard work and getting the ball out and shooting it out to yeah. kids. Yeah. And uh, and that was what he was recruited for. And because he because he has got that polish once he's got the ball in hand that a lot of our other players don't have. And at the moment, um, well, he was played the first half nearly all in the forward line with just a, an occasional run of the ball. And I thought, uh, absolutely wasted him, absolutely wasted him. And in the second half, they used him much more on the ball. And uh, um, Greenwood was a guy that they used up forward and with much, much more success, I might add. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the moment, I just think that the coaching staff didn't have it right in the first half at all. That's because Green, Greenwood is taller. Um, and as he did reveal in the aftermatch interview, he has he his junior football, he actually played as a key forward. So well, it, Greenwood it was knows a, how to be a key forward. Yeah, it was a state, oh. under, state under 16 forward, Hugh Greenwood. Yeah, yeah. and, and he's was, got and good wingspan. Yeah, and he was predicted to be top 10 in the draft um, from the under 16s that, that he was they could see this kid was going somewhere. And we can see that with what he can do with limited time on the ground. Um, But I think you're spot on a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Gibbs Phoenix. The problem is Matt Crouch. Mm. Because Matt's come back, Gibbs has lost his place with what he was doing. So that needs to be resorted out. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because uh, Crouchy had 15 contested. Sloney had uh, nine. I, I felt like Rory Sloan was fairly well held. Um, but, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like we don't know what... It's either we don't know what to do with him or he's good enough that we've, we're asking him to plug gaps as a senior player. And it's probably a bit from column A and a bit from column B. I'd just like to see him off the back of the contest, like Mac has said, and and being that distributor and uh, um, making the most of his strengths. Him up forward, he's not a marking player, so he's not like a Rory Sloan or, or a Huey Greenwood that can take a pluck. You know, he's not going to give you that. He's going to be... He's more of an on-the-deck player, and I don't think he's fast enough or agile enough to be really effective. Just just play him behind the contest. Play, play him either off half-back or, or at the back of the stoppage and allow him just to be that outlet and that distributor because that's, I think, where his strength is. Okay, um, I saw something very interesting in the SANFL, SANFL game in that we were very light on in our midfield because Cam Ellis-Yolman travelled up and Gibson was out with the illness. So we didn't have those really big bodies in the midfield. So we had to use Jarman. Um, we had to use Fogarty. We had to – and Paholke was pretty much our lead in the midfield. Signorello is too slight. He doesn't go too badly in the midfield, but mm, gets a bit lost. But interestingly, what we did to counter that in a way was we paid – so instead of that forward running off the back, which would then go and become a forward, we were running that – position as an extra midfielder coming in off the back hmm. and then they would still kind of say in that extra midfield-ish kind of role a bit more than going forward which I thought was very interesting hmm. not something that we've done in the past no but th- knowing that we pretty much only stick to our AFL game plan that's what we did, mm. going, okay, so that's got to come from up above. 
Mm. Or is this something that O'Keefe is kind of tweaking? Or, or maybe it was just a, a, a case of necessity because of our personnel. Nick, I don't know. I, I think it was. I think it was a little bit of everything, but it was. It was really interesting to see. The other interesting thing to see was Eddie Betts uh, being included in the rotations uh, in the second half. Now, I know that was probably somewhat out of necessity, uh, but I felt he was actually quite effective when he was in the midfield. Yeah, he does. He plays midfield quite well. I don't think he's got the tank to do it too often, but um, we did it a little bit last year. Every so often we would do it, often in the last quarter. Yeah, it certainly come off the back of the square quite a bit. Um, I thought maybe somewhere between four and six times he did the centre yeah, clearance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought he was good. Uh, I didn't mind Betts' game. People were uh, complaining because he's not kicking goals, and that handball off uh, was ridiculous. Someone's got to, uh, someone's, someone's got, got to get in his ear about that um, because he's, no, he's got the yip. Well, he might have the he might have the yips, um, Macca. But he's got a, he's got to kick it. He's got and a that's front up. Problem. He's got a front up, and where he took that mark, he was on an angle. He could have very easily done a uh, bloody what's his name, um, Stevie J, and just done it, done a hook kick uh, from where he was. Uh, giving it off like that to a bloke in, in a bad position on his wrong side was it, that was so wasteful. He's a senior player. He's got a, he's got a front up and take those. But aside from that, I, I felt like Betts has gotten busy again, uh, and. You know, sometimes he'll, he'll kick it three or four, and sometimes he won't. But he's always got your attention as a as an opposing defender, and uh, sometimes that just lets other people have opportunities. And yeah, <laughs> I think we agree. yeah, we agree. No, I, just, I just agree with you. I don't yeah. Know what else yeah, no, look, uh, of the rest, uh, Sloney, as I mentioned, I, I felt was quiet. 8-8 eight eight for 16. There was some little mention about his foot, which is a bit of a worry. Yeah, uh, I, I did hear that. I hope that's not a reoccurrence of it. Yep. Yeah. I oh, think well. it was a, a step on the foot. Oh, was it? Okay. That's not so bad. Uh, Huey Greenwood I th- I was good, uh, obviously up forward. Uh, very good kicking four goals, three. Uh, should have really kicked that last one. But, uh, See, yeah. he need. He he stuffed up with the three points. Oh, hang on! Did somebody say you only had four? Yeah, so that doesn't work. So he, he kicked four goals. He had four clearances. He had four marks. Four or tackles. something like this. He had a whole lot of four, four, yeah, four tackles. Four frees, four. Um, yeah, but he he, and so how many kicks did he have? Uh, eleven. <laughs> Sucked in. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Doesn't quite work. If he had eight, yeah. then it's like, oh, maybe. Yeah. No, it was a it was a good game from Huey. Uh, a very effective forward, and it just gives us a little bit more versatility, knowing that we've got another bloke up there that can uh, take a grab and kick a goal. Um, our back six was very solid. I thought, uh, you know, Brown Brown has been a little underwhelming this year, but he's always solid. I, Cheney's been a really good addition to that back six. It gives us a little bit more of a dynamic uh, look uh, with our ball movement coming out. Keith uh, has almost, I think, taken over from Kyle Hardigan. Um, yes, with me. It's been very, very... Well, you don't like Hardigan anyway, but... <laughs> I, I I think there is still a role for Kyle in the team, depending on the matchups we need. Yeah, so it, it is. Yep. Yeah, so I'll oh, shut up, Anka. <laughs> <laughs> if we have those bigger bigger forwards, 
Keith doesn't have the bodywork to go with them. Well, I don't know about Hardigan that. Does. There, there was that one on one towards the. Uh, uh, when was it? The third he quarter? Can, he the can, it's when he. If he gets front position and he can hold off that little bit, um, or if he can get a bit of a run and jump, but if it's going into a wrestle. He yeah. gets outshone. I've seen him against some very big – they've got some very big full forwards in the SNFL, and he does struggle a bit with them. There's um, probably in, only one or two that, of those, so that isn't aspect. there? Yeah. I mean, you've got Hawkins and uh, – uh, oh, who else is there, really, as a, as a big forward? Uh, probably Josh Kennedy. Um, there's not too – Charlie Dixon, maybe. There's not too many of them. I reckon he's he's Hawkins. done really well. Yo, Hawkins is the first one I mentioned. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he has. But both Keith and Hardy and actually have an advantage over Talia, and they were actually both really quick. Well, and the thing the thing with uh, I think Talia and Keith is a is a better combination in terms of the different skill sets. I think Talia and and Hardigan uh, are much the same in terms of what they bring. Hardigan just a little bit more strength. Um, so I don't mind Keith, and I'm a Hardigan fan. I don't mind Kyle Hardigan at all, but uh, yeah, Keith looked really good since he's been in there. Well, yeah. I think I like about Keith. To me, he looks like he can think, and as I say, <laughs> when Hardigan starts to think, I start, I start to shit myself. <coughs> oh dear! Uh, I, I was watching a really good brain documentary uh, last night, Macker, and you'd be quite interested in. Uh, how the how the mind operates in terms of conscious and unconscious thought, but anyway, um, that, that doesn't apply to Hardigan. Yeah. Um, Mitch McGovern struggled in the first half, but sort of got in amongst it and yeah. ended up taking five marks uh, in the second half. In the um, backlines, yeah, not all in the backlines. No, lines. he did up forward as well, Macca. Yeah, but mostly in the backlines. I, I, he in, also so one of Green was really good marks. He should have got a free because he was full on pushed out of that contest. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but what I uh, what I'm saying about uh, Gov, he he really struggled up forward in the first half. In the second half, when the, the ball was coming towards him, he got a little bit of confidence in, in uh, uh, attacking the ball. And, I, and look, I, I think that if he is, you know, if next week he starts to struggle again, I'd, I'd immediately put him in the back line because he seems to read it so much better and and just get his confidence up. It's all a matter of just. Uh, I mean, yeah. he's been out a bloody long time. You just don't come in and star straight away. It's eight weeks. And it was a big ask for him to come straight back. They, they were using him deeper in the first half, I think, to start off with. So it was they were slowly leading him in. They were using him deeper, and he kept freaking leading out to the pockets. Well, because we had um, because we had Tex out, we, had, we basically shifted JJ up to a yeah. high, high spot, and we had Gov in behind him. Correct. It would have been... It would have, it was ridiculous to think that the government could just come straight in and star. That was never no, going to happen. Yeah, that was never going to happen. I don't yeah. think any of us expected that, and anybody else who did was ridiculous. But I think in terms of, and I raised it on Tuesday night, do you want him to play on the harder surface of centrals, the much bigger oval, or do you want to bring him in up in Brisbane straight into the AFL team and I know how no, much Bikey loves Gov, and I thought he was going to come in. Yeah, and as I said, uh, I was delighted when I saw him in, uh, in the back line because um, we we used him there in uh, days gone by uh, when we needed a loose man in defence, and he always played it very, very well. So, uh, and, and it gave him a little bit of confidence. So, 
Um, yeah, he'll be better for the run next week, and he'll just get better probably for about the next three or four weeks. Mm. Yep. Uh, of the rest, I thought Gooch was good when he was involved. Uh, today was good until he got KO'd. Uh, Jacobs, I thought, was poor, um, although he did provide a little bit of link-up uh, at times. Um, got beaten but, on the day, though. I felt like his ruck but, work was poor. Doesn't he always get beaten by Martin? Martin's well, kind of, Yeah, but Martin's always beaten him. I don't think he's ever beaten Martin. Even when we were thrashing Brisbane teams, Martin... There's just something... Martin matches up better on him. It's called jumping, Nicky. <laughs> well, actually, Macca... As what I was I... saying, even, even when we were doing really well previous years, Brisbane was shit, Martin used to still beat him all the time. Well, what I've noticed about Source over the last couple of weeks is that he's giving up front position in, ruck, in boundary throw-ins very easily. He, he used to be quite good at... at uh, protecting the drop zone and holding front position, but he's just getting outworked uh, at throw-ins. Um, and as a consequence, it, you know, he's not getting a lot of... If he is getting the tap, it's usually because that's where the other Ruckman was going to tap it anyway, and there's kind of both going in that direction. Yeah, I, I wonder whether his back still uh, started to bother him again because I thought uh, like the week before that Source looked like he was getting a bit of form back, but uh, no, I thought he. I thought he got well and truly mm. spanked by Martin. Yeah, I think the rumor about some illness going through the club might be correct. It could well be, Nicky. I don't know. Well, we certainly look cooked um, towards the end there, and you put it down to rotations and whatever. But I, um, you know, we had and Gibson. the fact that yeah, Gibson was out with illness mm. and. They looked a little bit sluggish. They weren't too bad in the SFL. Well, and they um, took CUI up too, didn't they? Which yeah. suggests that maybe there was some cover needed there. So, look, I, th- I think that's pretty much uh, done it to death in terms of the stats. Um, and I think we all agree um, pretty much that uh, it was a solid win and it keeps us in the finals race. We're, uh, what's that, uh, a game and a bunch of percentage out of the eight. Um, but the way the draw is panning out, we're certainly in amongst it. I've done predictors that have us finishing as high as fifth. Um, so there's really? a lot of yeah, there's a lot of mathematical connotations depending on other teams, of course. Uh, but we've just got to keep winning. And all I'll say is, thank God, other teams are getting injury. They're all getting injuries now, whilst we start to seem to get players back. Touch wood. Touch wood, Nikki. Right. Let's uh, see if we can sort out the best and the worst, shall we? because it's going to be a little bit of a conversation, I think, with regards to the Jet of the Week. So the easy option is Lady. Yeah. What do you guys think? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't, well, I didn't think that. I thought Maddie Crouch. Maddie Crouch? Uh, for me, consistency over all four quarters, I, I think it's Laird, um, just because there was some stuff-ups from Crouch. Crouch uh, had a massive that. second half. He had over he had 25 touches, I think. But for me, when you're looking at this type of award, I always look over the whole four quarters because if you're going to the one that um, was the Jet who impacted, then it had to be Greenwood. But 
he only did that towards the end of the second, start of the third, which kind of you could say won us the game, but, you know, he had 11 kicks as opposed to the 40-odd possessions. So for me, I just thought Laird was a bit more influential. Hmm. I don't know who's going to get it. (laughs) Well, we've got two for Labour Crouch. And honourable mention tonight. And JJ. And JJ. Uh, JJ. Yep. Uh, in fact, uh, well, let's let's give it to, uh, shit, I don't know. Let's give it a joint one, Crouch and Lead. Yeah. Shall we? That was going to be my suggestion. Give it uh, to both. Yeah. They both play well. I'm happy with that. Happy with that, Macca? Not going to ruffle the yeah. feathers at all? No, it won't affect my life. I'd like to give this one to Riley Knight, even though it's not he's not really uh, eligible. Probably Miller, he, I think. Although, although Slow Ranger 3's, you know, Greenwood for Jet, after what I just said. Um, yeah, well, that's true too. Yeah, this is actually a hard one because I actually thought those three, at times, played really well. I don't think we can Miller give it to just, Knight. I don't think he qualifies. I know, which is a bugger. Because um, I think he does deserve an award somewhere. But um, so, who does qualify then? Greenwood uh, and Greenwood, Miller, Lockie Murphy, uh, Tom Diday, Gallucci, Gallucci. Uh, I think Greenwood shits it in then. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, look, probably. With the rumor. Probably Huey. I think on balance, so many uh, four goals, oh, match, three, match when he was, yeah, 17 when disposals. He was. I mean, Miller had 22, did turn it over a couple, so that probably cost him for the... Miller made me yell at the television, so that's a nod. Uh, there you go. Twice. Right. Oh, well, that's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 there Nicky, we go. Nicky yelled at the TV. He's done. <laughs> All right, and uh, wake-up award. Well, my nomination for this one is going to be a little left field because I'm taking a different view on this award this week and I think it should be a joint award to Lockie Murphy and Tom Duday because they both needed to wake up after they got thugged out of the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least Mur- Murphy didn't get knocked out. Um, was bloody lucky. Because he knew immediately... Yeah, because he immediately knew his nose was not where it should be. Um and a few things were bleeding that he probably didn't want to be bleeding. Um, I actually think a wake-up award, you know, there were three particular players in Vomit Green. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, let's not even go there. I mean, Mitchie McGovern, first half, needed a wake-up, and I think he did wake up in the second half. Um, Sauce, maybe. Sauce. I don't know. I mean, it was a fairly even effort, and I think it might be a little bit harsh to give anyone a wake-up call as such, um, but probably pro- probably source, actually. What do you reckon? Yeah, uh, although Atkins, you could give it to Atkins in the sense of... Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but he, Just because we, we like to give that to him. But <laughs> if, if, how many? Let's if be fair. If he could go look, go find some courage. Somewhere. Yeah, but let's be fair. He did lace out a few blokes, so it's just his attacking work was pretty good, Macca, and he was well, involved in the game. Well, on match performance, it'd be I, I, actually, I, I think shaken. source. 
sauce. Maybe yeah. even Sloney. Or Mag- those McGovern, from McGovern I can kind of forgive because he's just come back um, from a yeah. long layout. The problem with sauce is he's actually had a really good couple of games. Yeah, and he just tailed right off. Just, and he just fell off that cliff again. Even though I know that Martin plays him so well, mm. I wanted him to do a bit more. The number that yeah. I don't like about uh, from Source, sorry, Mac, uh, the number I don't like in Source's stat line is zero marks. He's, he's our ruckman. He's got to be able to take a mark or two around the ground. Yeah. Zero marks. So, yeah, Source, the wake-up award this week. Now, just before we get on to your cockwomble, Nikki, um, yep. I just want to mention, <clears throat> pardon me, on Tuesday night we made a little mention about our donation button on the Crowcast website, aflcrowcast.com, um, and I've got to say that uh, the response from our faithful listeners has been quite humbling uh, and we're very grateful uh, for the contributions that we've been uh, receiving uh, if you do want to make a contribution to the Crowcast we don't look to make a profit uh, we just sink all the money back into um, keeping my ma- mice on my treadmill fed um, so, so you that f- you can hear us each week yeah, <laughs> that's right so if you do want to make a contribution uh, you can click on the donate button on aflcrowcast.com um, our PayPal account is sponsorship at aflcrowcast.com. But thank you very, very much uh, to those who have contributed. It's it's much appreciated. Now, Nikki, two cockwombles in a week. I know. Take it away. Well, the obvious one of the umpires, because that was just shocking performance. And it wasn't just in our game. Um, but the, the couple of the non-decisions that occurred in our game were, and the fact that they there was pushing and shoving at the start, they did the right thing because as soon as we got their first ball up, they paid a free tonight. They then didn't follow it on because Brisbane still kept pushing the mark. They let it go. And because they let it go, Brisbane knew they could step over the line. Um, and that actually impacted on those injuries occurring. So they definitely get a Cockwomble nomination for that. But if we go back earlier in the week, AFL 360. So we have the big thing of Gibbs going to the tribunal. That gets announced. They're doing their show. All that comes up is a little cry on across the bottom to say he's got off. They do not discuss it at all. That was a pretty big news story with the what has happened regarding the tribunal. Nope, don't want to touch that, don't want to talk about it. Then you get Channel 7 this morning. Um, the Trying to remember the name of the woman somebody said who's who was on the, the game day or whatever. Apparently, those Brisbane players will not have a case to answer at all. Not a problem. Yeah, Perfectly that. fine. Who was that? Some twit. Wasn't bloody was Daisy Pierce, was it? It was. A, it was a woman. I don't know her name. Um, who was the one who's seems to be in charge of it? Oh, she made the she made the comment that no, they'll be okay. There's nothing there. Well, and yeah, all you have to do is look at the match the the match review reports. It's all to do with consequences. They're both going to be impacted as high 
Yeah. Neither of them took part of it. Yeah. That that's still at least two weeks. Yeah, two and down to one, I reckon for uh, McStavey because I reckon today did contribute to that a little bit. Um, he did drop in in the in the attempt to brace. He didn't duck, yeah. but I think he no, did he drop. No, he didn't duck. Um, but the one against Murphy, uh, not much Elbow different. One. Well, not much different to the Jeremy Cameron one. Jeremy yeah, Cameron nearly sure. got. Hung, drawn, and quartered for what he did, and nothing on McStay just because Murphy got up. Well, the one on Murphy was worse than the one that texted. And uh, oh god, yeah, yeah, um, and and quite amusingly, Chris Fagan, as PJ Crows has pointed out, Chris Fagan was not asked one single question about the incidents at his presser, whereas Don got asked four times. Mm. But I'll about bet you Texas one. And interestingly, Fagan actually came out with the whole thing. Oh, really pleased we won the last quarter. Dude, you had how many rotate ro- more rotations than us? You should have won that last quarter. But I can guarantee you, if if those incidents had happened with uh, Crows players build, uh, building Brisbane players the way that they did to us, those commentators would be screaming for our blood. Yeah. Now look, you people, this is a bloody cockwumble, not a not a Tuesday night <laughs> live, and we've got one okay. minute left. One one more left. Um, AFL Nation Twitter account, who puts out asking everybody what they think about the fact that Dangerfield and Vince were talking after the game, smiling and chatting with each other. They didn't think that was a good look for the game. Ridiculous. Yeah, the fact that Dangerfield had to reply to it and go, so we're not allowed to ask each other about our respective families? Knowing the bloke for 10 years. Yeah, ridiculous. 30 seconds, who's winning? It has to be. It has to be. That's for the umpires, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, Nicky, because uh, they, they, they say I'd, the head is sacrosanct, except if it belongs to a crow's player. Uh, I, the one, the whole coverage on Saturday night was horrific. Like, oh, it was could, the, could could they have cut off the game any quicker? There was no post game. There was nothing. I know that we had the Melbourne Geelong game as well, but uh, no post game as well. And I've just done myself in. So, who are we going for? Uh, the umpires, but I, I do think an honourable mention. And you know they're bad because quick, Paul Nick, Roos, quick, who quick, hates quick, us, quick, who hates us, was actually talking up how bad the umpiring was. Very good, guys. Thank you so much in the chat for joining us again. Uh, oh, I've mistimed this completely. It's ridiculous. Go again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget uh, aflcrowcast.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, aflcrowcast iTunes reviews are always appreciated. Thanks, everyone, on the chat. And we'll see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. Thanks, Macca. Thanks, Nicky. Goodbye. Yep. Good night, all. Good night, all.